0: And welcome to another episode of the ABBA Podcast with John MacDonald. Thank you for tuning in. We really appreciate your support. John would love to hear from you. You can send comments and questions on Twitter at ABBA Podcast. You can also keep in touch through the Facebook page, the ABBA Podcast with John MacDonald. If the ABBA Podcast isn't on your favorite platform, let us know and we'll get it sorted. Here's your host, John MacDonald. Well, it's my pleasure to welcome my friend Florian Berndt to the ABBA podcast. Uh, Florian, welcome. It's great to see you. Good to be here. Thanks, John. Wow. Most people won't know who you are, but obviously we've been friends for, for a few years now. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who is Florian? Where's he from? What does he do? Yeah. Um, yeah as already mentioned, my name is Florian. <laughs> um, I'm
1: living in Germany. Um, I was Born and raised here, lived for a while in the UK, um, married an Irish-English woman, um, got two kids, and yeah, we we live here now in this house for about seven years, and in the Black Forest, and John and I met at a fall art school, I think in 2010, 10, 11, and... Yeah, so what I've been doing, um, I've been doing, like you, I've done all kinds of jobs in my lifetime. And um, from, yeah. What are you doing currently? Currently I'm working uh, uh, part-time as a a youth worker for the Anglican Church. And um, I've got a little publishing business that I'm building up at the moment and planning to continue my theological studies, doing my master's in theology and culture.
0: And, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. You said that we met at a, a Father Heart school uh, yes. in Finland, actually. But yes. so how did you get into that whole world of, of Father Heart, of God's love? How, how did that <laughs> you? um, So you've got time, yes. Um,
1: About <laughs> um, <laughs> a couple of those. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Um, yeah, and um, what happened was that um, I hadn't... Uh, at the end of the 90s what it was was around 2000 1999 2000 I had an encounter with the father with 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 father's love and um, that really brought healing to my own heart from from quite of a troubled background and my own relationship with my father and my parents and um, my parents divorced when I was about 11 years old and um, and um, it was then up till then I was kind of my, my father's the apple of his eyes, so to speak, and um, I mean there were always troubles and struggles in the family. And now today I know about it, but I always had kind of a good relationship with my dad. And but after that, he he chose a new family, and um, yeah, actually, what happened is that he he went to therapy, and everyone and the therapist did a group therapy and everyone in that group broke up with their spouses and went together with someone from the group and then the guy disappeared. And uh, yeah, so that was quite of a that shock.
0: That sounds like a cult.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like a cult, yeah. That was was a long time when when I was a teenager, I wanted to find the guy but yeah I bet you did yeah yeah (laughs) there you go um what happened then was that after that my dad had a new family and I think he tried his best but um yeah it was you know I became like the scapegoat of the family I grew up with him and my siblings grew up with my mom it was really torn apart and a lot of bad stuff going on in the family and and also uh, in, in the family history and trauma and stuff. And what happened then when uh, when we, uh, after I got married um, in 2000, and we moved to the UK, I went uh, and, and God had already started speaking to me about, it. I'd already been, become a Christian, I had an encounter with Jesus around the time my parents divorced. And um, in my bedroom, and had kind of, it was like a late, late offshoot of the Jesus people movement. So we all had long hair, and, you know, kind of hippie kind of stuff. Most of us came from, uh, yeah, drugs and all these kind of things, you know, violence and uh, troubled households and families. And yeah, from there, I got really involved in, 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 in kind of revivalist kind of, Christian culture, I think it was from age 17 or something on that I got involved in that and 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 but always felt very empty and and just one day woke up and think, God, oh, I don't even know who we are. You know, I had all these wonderful experiences, Holy Spirit, tongues, prophecy and healing and all that kind of stuff. But I myself felt empty. I, I didn't feel at rest. I didn't feel at home in my heart. And um, so he got said. Talk to me about wanting to be my father you know and um, so um, and when we moved to the UK it, he had, that had continued and um, and and I went to this course it was called the father heart of God it was led by an Irishman and yeah you know who I mean and um, yeah the teaching wasn't that amazing and it didn't speak to me that much actually I didn't understand half of what he was saying you know because it was very strong belfast accent and um so but um he called people forward and said if you want to meet the father you know just come forward i'm leaving the room he left the room and i'll just you know and i was one of these guys who like at every revival meeting would go forward and stuff you know probably because i wanted my it was from my relationship with my dad wanting to have his attention wanting to do always the right thing So I went forward and I kneeled down, didn't feel a thing, but as soon as my knees hit the ground, it was like the room disappeared and I had this movie playing in front of my eyes, you know, and it was like, I saw suddenly my dad teaching me how to ride a bike, teaching me how to swim and all the kind of stuff, that all these memories coming up and um, and, uh, to that to that point, uh, at that point, I was, I was 21, so my parents had divorced at 11. And at 11, at the age of 11, I had stopped crying. I just warned to myself I would never again cry in my life. So And suddenly, it I mean, well-opened up. I
0: did that when my dad died at 11 mm-hmm. years old. I made the same... That's yeah. it's interesting, yeah. And
1: then you know a bit how that feels when, yeah. <laughs> when that hits you. And yeah, so basically, and it was like, <laughs> it all came up, you know, and... And I felt the father's arms coming around me, wow. and, and Jesus basically introducing me to his father, and um, and like the worship leader, she was a friend of us. She stopped playing and just looked at me. was like, "What's going on with Florid?" So was
0: it uh, a vision you were having, or
1: what? yeah, yeah? It I was in this vision, and and uh, and uh, I just felt this presence coming around me, and um, and had all these memories suddenly of, me of my dad, and I started screaming like. Wow, Um, because it came up, it came up in me that my dad had basically abandoned me, and um, I started screaming, "Why did he do that? Why did he do that? Why did he do that?" And it just all the tears and snot didn't look pretty. And the ministry team actually had to carry me out to continue (laughs) praying. Yeah. So, and then from from that on, it was for for a couple of weeks or even months, I can't, I can't remember, but what, what happened is that uh, just the father's love was like waves coming over me. I would lay down in bed and this waves would come. I would lie on my couch and this waves would come and just started crying and later laughing, like I would f- have this infilling of deep, deep joy. And that I discovered, oh, all my life I had, later on I discovered that in my teenage time I had actually been struggling with depression I didn't know that was depression so only when i talked later with people about it and um i just thought yeah it's normal to feel suicidal and <laughs> you know and um, i was quite self-destructive as a as a as a teenager and um so um yeah but this infilling of joy came and i started to feel joy again and started to feel love again and, and one other thing that happened was that it my my uh, my image of God and my theology got totally reconfigured in. Like suddenly, I had grown up with this whole thing: a oh God can't look at you; you are so filthy, and all this kind of stuff. That he had to basically beat somebody else up so he could look. He could look at you because it's like you know. Some people say like Jesus, be in your asbestos suit and protect you from the wrath of God and all this nonsense. And but the thing is, that's what I had been taught in in my. Later on, when I met my wife in a Pentecostal, classical Pentecostal church, that's what they taught, you know, it's like, yeah, and um, there was all this hidden self-hatred that just got confirmed yeah. through this theology, you know, and um, and suddenly that didn't make sense anymore. You know, it, it wasn't even like a conscious decision. It was like, ah,
0: the cross is about love. Well, I, I, <laughs> was, I was the same when I began to experience Father's love. Yeah. It just... Automatically, without having to study or make any decision, I began to question what I'd yeah. always been taught because what I was yeah. experiencing of God didn't match yeah. up with what I'd been told and had believed. It yes. was there was this clash within me, and and it's quite confusing because all you've got is this inner voice, this inner sense that what you've been told is wrong. Yes. But the outside voices are still telling you that this is what you should believe. Oh, yeah. So you're having this struggle of, um, but I'm experiencing the goodness of God. I, I'm not experiencing any wrath. Yeah. I'm not experiencing desertion or abandonment or when I mess up, God doesn't disappear. He yes. comes and puts his arms around me and comforts me and, and brings me back to life. Yes. But But that clashes with, what I believe about them (laughs) (laughs) so so like you I was it was all changing but I was really struggling with it because it was so totally opposite to what I'd always believed as a believer as a Christian
1: (laughs) exactly yeah I mean I even had friends who were really like taught me about grace and stuff but when I told them about I can no longer believe that because of what I've experienced they got angry at me even though they claim to be like grace believers wow. and stuff like that, but their grace was based on yeah, God is gracious now because he beat somebody else up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, and um, and so it got really upset with me. And, um, and some yeah.
0: This is really interesting because I know there's a debate going on just now. Wayne Grudem's involved in it, obviously, uh, yeah. about the whole free grace thing. Yeah, where where he would come from the reformed position that free grace yeah grace is free but then you have to work to keep it almost <laughs> he, wouldn't, he wouldn't put it in that language but that's essentially what he's yeah. saying and he's yeah. attacking people who are saying well no you don't grace is free forever <laughs> yeah it's, it's god who keeps you in it yes you know and it, so it's really interesting you're saying that
1: and it's also like what a lot of others discovered is that um this this kind of grace teaching, especially reformed grace teaching, it's actually very legalistic. They talk about grace, but it's basically, are you been let off the hook? You know, it's all seen in the in the courtroom proceeding and certain writings of Paul are taken uh, oh, to justify that. Justified. And interesting, like other non-Western Christian traditions, they don't even interpret Paul like that. And um, but when you see it through the lens of God's parenthood and things change. Grace then is not something like, I, I put no good sentence, an innocent sentence on you, but it's about, no, that's his general stance towards you. He is grace. He is love. He is mercy. And, and it's not some courtroom thing where you need to jump through the hoops or you
0: need to get it right. What, yeah. What, what's astounded me, Florian, and continues to astound me is that God never gets angry with me.
1: <laughs> to starts to me too.
0: He's never yeah. angry.
1: Yeah.
0: But but yeah. before I experienced him being a father to me, I always perceived him as angry at my failings, at my weaknesses. At, yeah. And now I'm in this place of being loved, in that place of the grace that yeah. he is. And I'm finding that th- there's no anger in here. Yeah. Yeah. From the outside that I I thought I saw anger, but now, from inside, it's yeah. like, "Oh, I was wrong." There's no anger in here, yeah. you know.
1: It it's um, the, the the English mystic Julian of Norwich. Um, she she wrote that I saw no wrath in God, wow. and and she got really attacked for that, obviously. But when you read actually the Bible and especially in its its the languages it was written in, you know a lot a lot of what we describe as wrath and anger it, it's basically just the passion of god yeah. you know, for his kids and against everything that destroys them and it basically flowing from his essence and his nature which is love
0: and one of the issues so, of god is in some of the in english yeah. language bible translations you know in some passages it, it talks about the wrath of god but the greek yeah. doesn't mention wrath yeah, that, 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 yeah that's true yeah. or it doesn't mention wrath of god it just mentions passion and the day of passion yeah, yeah. We Ford, to it, that as in the day of God's wrath. Yeah, but yeah. and there, yeah, there are Bible translations
1: even who um, they add of God when yeah. it says just wrath, and um, well, like Paul
0: but does it. Does it say wrath? Because the Greek word is yeah. orgy. Yeah, which which we obviously get the word orgy from. You know, yeah. which generally applies to debauchery. <laughs> actually, it just means passion. Yeah. So we're talking about if we want to put of God in it, we're talking about in the day of God's passion.
1: Yeah, it basically means something that erupts, you know.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
1: yeah, like, like, yeah, you said orgy or the word orgasm also comes from it. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's something that, and it's it's basically an outflow of His love that's like saying no. So you could say when God when Jesus died on the cross, it's God's no to our self destruction. Yeah, that's, God, that's God's wrath, you know, or his passion for us, yeah. and um, it's interesting that um, in, in the when you read the early church fathers, that was very clear for them. You know, they always say, "No, you can't speak about God like that." You know,
0: yeah. Um, it's interesting that there is this clear division between yeah. Eastern Church and mm. Western Church. Now, no, everything's not perfect in Eastern Church, just as no. it's not perfect in Western Church, but <laughs> yeah. but theologically, they, they perceive God as very different. From the way the Western church perceives him. Yeah. You know, they don't have this, um, you no, know, God abandoned Jesus on the cross. That's not really there in Eastern theology yeah. and doctrine, you know. Whereas we've got this wrathful yeah. God who abandons his, his son. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting that, that there's that schism, that split. Yeah. Know?
1: I mean, that, that, that's the interesting story about, I don't know if you ever heard it of Brad Josek's story, how he was praying and god suddenly said to him stop telling people that i punished my son and he was really shocked because he had even written his master thesis on it on penal substitution so he um he asked other theologians he sent out letters to other theologians that you know what's going on because he said you should never just go after something you heard and make a doctrine out of that you know so he wanted to talk with other people and he had an eastern orthodox mentor and and he explained to the Eastern Orthodox mentor what um, penal substitution is. And and, and the bishop, uh, he, he was a bishop in the Eastern Orthodox Church, and, and uh, the guy said to him, well, that's what you believe. And he said, yeah, that's what we believe. He said, that's not Yahweh, that's Molech, you know. So it was totally uh, a strange concept for him that um, that the God that Jesus portrays would need
0: a child sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, not, I interrupted your story about what, yeah. what happened. <laughs> Sorry. It was a great dis- yeah, no. discussion. I'm sure people uh, can follow it up themselves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no,
1: basically what happened after that um, is that a friend of mine gave me a set of tapes by, um, by uh, what was his name? Jack Frost. Check frost back then, yeah, and I listened to them, and 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 it really made sense of what I was experiencing.
0: You're showing your and age, and They gave you tapes. <laughs> <I know. laughs> For our younger listeners, those are cassette tapes that came before CDs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that was actually my job at that ministry. I, I was the sound and taping manager, and. I had to record all the tapes and produce them <laughs> and stuff. So, um, no, and, what, and then um, we, we lived in the UK for a while and um, some other stuff happened. I mean, I could go on forever, but basically we, we went back to Germany and it was all really guided by the spirit and so on. But, and,
0: um, but what, what were you we, doing in the UK when you came to the UK to live?
1: Uh, we, we worked for ministry, uh, healing and deliverance ministry. Okay. And um, so we were doing that for a while and did some prayer ministry courses and, yeah, went on other courses and almost did the whole school. I basically, in the end, did the school because uh, two or three times because I was the taping manager. So <laughs> and uh, so I had to record the entire school. And um, so we're sitting in there all the time and went on mission trips and did street evangelism and, and stuff like that.
0: So was it in that was it in that ministry where you you had that encounter you described yes
1: yes it wasn't okay. that in, in, in the context of, of that ministry i had that right. encounter and um so and we were basically living there in community so with other christians likely in a bible school basically and um yeah when we came back to germany um i contacted jack frost's ministry and asked if you know if there's anywhere in germany they know anyone or and they said no but they they've got friends in in Europe and um should reach out to them, so we did that and um and through that they were um saying, "Oh yeah, you should come um just in a couple of months we're gonna have a small conference up in the north of Germany and with a couple called James and Denise Jordan, who you might be familiar with no and uh, the
0: name rings so. a bell
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that was two thousand three and um we went up there. It was a horrendous journey getting <laughs> up there. It was in the middle of nowhere. We had no car. We oh, no. Took the train, and then we had to walk about three hours or something like that. And um, and everyone had said, "Oh, it's very close
0: by." <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, we country- met. Some- yeah, it's that countryside <laughs> thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's just around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 'cause we we
1: we landed in uh in our train stopped in Hanover no it's not true uh, neg- uh, some other small town close to Hanover and then we had we had to walk like like up real out into the countryside but we met some people then there who we drove around for the weekend with them a couple and um yeah that's where we met james and denise and um it was really um an amazing experience um hearing them for the first time preach Denise was doing only one session she didn't feel very well and James was doing most of it but um Claire and my wife got really impacted at that conference and um I because it was such a horrendous thing I, I I'm sure she doesn't mind telling me that story um, but um she was there and, and and James asked people to come forward for the father's embrace. And 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 so and she said, I had enough of always doing the right thing, and that, that, that I am annoyed. You know, she was like in a usually the mood I am in. And so so and she and and she just remained seated. And um, and James, um, after he had prayed for everyone, he moved all the chairs aside, went towards her, kneeled down in front of her, and prayed for her. Wow. And it was like father coming to her when she didn't want to come yeah. and when 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 she couldn't come and that really um, and she had a really powerful profound experience of the father's love there and me too after that conference it was like three three uh three days i was i really loved everybody and, um, only three days though. only for three days <laughs> <laughs> then i got back to my normal German self. Um, no. Uh, so and so that really impacted us and. Um, and, we, and we went back and back then we were part of a church planting team and all this kind of stuff, but we discovered we were we didn't fit in anymore. It just didn't work, you know, and. Um, where where there, was the church plant in Germany or? It was in Germany and at, in, in, uh, at, the, at the border to Switzerland. Basel, Switzerland, at, just at the border on the German side, and we, we, we were on the team there to, to plant the church, and um, I was doing worship leading and the um, youth work, and then I was uh, part-time working uh, at a center for mentally handicapped people, and um, which were easier to handle than the folks in church sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> and I was working in the, in the in the in the difficult bit where, where we had very fights and stuff, um, no. Uh, so and that's what I did um, for four years, and we just didn't fit any in anymore. And at some point, I had to go to our the pastor and say, you know, I'm, I need to take a break, and um, I just don't feel that's Yeah, it, it, they also didn't uh, didn't really want to hear about our journey. You know, it was like, right. oh yeah, it's all, it's all cute, you know, father's love, you know how it goes, and um, but it doesn't save the world. <laughs> it doesn't save the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but um, so then I did uh, journalism school. I studied journalism, worked for newspapers, and um, and uh, and later on Christian publishing, went into publishing. <coughs> what did and, you do? The publishing side. I was doing acquisitions and sales. Um, was doing both of these things. So acquisition basically means that it was my job to find new offers. And so, uh, if I thought somebody has a message that needs to be published, I would contact them. So it was a lot of online work, lots yeah. of internet surfing, going to conferences, um, Christian meetings, speaking to people, which was quite hard at the place where I was at that time. Didn't really want to do, go to Christian conferences and, um, Yeah, and during that time, a lot of our personal stuff came up, you know, and in our marriage, um, personal, my personal background, and um, Mm. my wife's personal background, and father was just bringing a lot of healing. And two thousand and nine, and two thousand and eight, our first child was born, which was a huge uh, change for us. And um, we're looking back at this time before that, that, we sometimes look at the pictures and think, oh my gosh, we looked horrible. What did we do? <laughs> we, look, we looked exhausted and worn out. And and that was before the baby was born. So <laughs> um, we, we, we uh, really wanted to have community um, and because and all that had fallen away and um, hmm. And so we uh, we worked just longer for community and being with like-minded people, and um, it didn't turn out to be quite that like-minded. But um, yeah, just to be people you could actually spiritually connect with. And um, at this time, I was doing also a lot of writing, Christian writing as well, blog, and all this kind of stuff, and um, next to the newspapers. And um, and yeah, a lot of shifted theologically, personally, lots of feeling bouncing off the walls you know and annoying each other and
0: so what, what was the healing what how did yeah. happen was that like how or was it a, like a process no, it was,
1: actually i was spending a lot of time with father at this time a lot of soaking and because um, in 2009 what happened is that um, the financial crisis hit hmm. um, and um, so a lot of people wouldn't sign any contracts for books so um there for about six months or so they couldn't pay me. Wow. And so, so, and we really didn't have any other income at that time, Claire had quit her job to be with, with the baby. And because um, she had worked in Switzerland and in Switzerland you have to return, I think after a couple of months, unlike in Germany. And um, we got a bit of money because in Germany there's there's this thing about that when you're a fresh parent, you get some support, no matter if you work or not. But um, in that ended at some point. And so at some point we, we really didn't have any income and uh, the publishing couldn't pay me and I was looking for jobs and, um, you know, was ready to do anything from washing dishes to working in a pub or whatever, I you know, of, of selling newspapers, subscriptions and all, you know, and all kinds of nonsense. That, um, and um, yeah, just barely making it and sometimes not even knowing where next day okay where's the food coming from and um and i would just get up every morning and say father you know you, you're responsible for this family i don't know what to do you know i'm trying to get a job i mean you know how that is <laughs> you've been there <laughs> but, um, looking for a job and not uh, being able to find something and um yeah and it just yeah I've, we had amazing things happening like you know getting up and and, and, and there was money in the post box. We didn't know where it came from and stuff like that. But, um, but it was a really hard times so and not everything came to the surface, you know, how I grew up and um, mm. the the trauma. And yeah, there was a lot of sexual brokenness in my family. And uh, I had uh, personally experienced some trauma there. And um, that all came to the surface. And um, he was gradually walking me through it and bringing healing and healing. Um, same for Claire and um, at some point um, during when I was just spending time with him he said I just had this feeling you need to reconnect with follow ministries, you know, look what they're doing. And so um, it was just this sense, you know, and I went there and I thought it was an A school in Finland. And <laughs> and uh, and that was two thousand ten, I signed up. I, I just signed up and said to Claire I have to feel me to go there and uh, by then, she had found a job again, and, um, and because uh, yeah, otherwise you probably wouldn't have been able to do it. And she started a new job, and um, and that's how we met then in Finland. So that and a lot, a lot happened since then. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, we've been through a, a few things.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> we've, been, we've been declared heretics by at least one well, church yeah officially
1: yeah and they passed it on to the denomination so that's uh, uh yeah, we arrived <laughs> crazy,
0: crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah. So, obviously you're saying like there was a shift in your thinking there's there's all this the healing going on your theology is developing so i mean how did the, how has your theology changed or progressed or you know yeah. I mean, because there's lots of accusations against Father Heart yeah. people as, you know, you've abandoned Jesus, um, you know, you throw Jesus out because it's, yeah. it's a father only. And, yeah. you know, is that the path you've gone down?
1: Actually, quite the opposite. Um, I found that I, that, I'm f- that I came back to the Jesus I met in my children's bedroom when I was 11 mm-hmm. through that and all the baggage that I had put on by church over the years over who jesus is has fallen away again wow. and because one of the first things i realized when i met jesus he didn't come to me as i mean i knew lord and savior and all these things but the first thing jesus showed me when i met him was he's my brother oh wow. yeah and um, so i think that has really changed to see that jesus is actually my brother and hmm. him being lord and savior means is even him being based on him being a brother to me because he's bringing me to the Father. Yeah. Or he's introducing me to the Father. And because um, we've forgotten what our Father is like. We, you know, this, we believed all this stuff about him and that's why we went into all this craziness, you know, the orphan mind, you know, what we're talking about. And, and Jesus is basically, he shares his heart with us. You know, when Ezekiel talks about, I will put my heart into you. He's basically putting the heart of sonship back into us, you know, Mm -hmm. and he's putting it back to us by putting, first of all, his spirit, the spirit that Paul talks about, the spirit of the son has been given to us. And because he's, and our hearts become so united, Jesus and our hearts become united that we come to know the father again, like he knows him, because he never, he never fell from that, you know, he shared in that on the cross, I would say, when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But he very clearly said, the Father, you will all leave me alone. The Father will not leave me alone. He, he, he didn't, Jesus knew the Father wouldn't leave him alone. In fact, if you think about it, if the Father and the Son would ever get separated, the universe would collapse. Um, but what uh, what happened is that he shared in our feelings of abandonment, in our pain, that's what he shared in that moment, in, in my view. That's how I see it. And even our wrong image of God, he felt it without giving into it. Yeah. He did He did not give into it. He said, no, I'm, hold, I'm holding on to my father in that. That's why he could then say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit afterwards. But, and that's what I think when we talk about he died because of our sins. It's what happened that he he encountered full head on our awfulness our feelings of abandonment our feelings of being forsaken our wrong image of god he faced it and he overcame it and he he faced it also because out of that wrong image of god we killed him yeah. it was our because we had this wrong image of god that we killed him because he said how can he say that about god jesus was actually killed about because he said i'm the father of one he, because he claimed he was the son of God. They said, "How do you dare to do you say that?" Yeah. So, um, and he basically was killed for who he's saying God
0: was. Mm-hmm. And um, see, my 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 concept of of yeah. that the cross—it's still forming, it's developing. But yeah. is that the Jesus didn't die in our place? Yeah. But what he yeah. did was sin and death had to be destroyed because yeah. they were the things that were blinkering us from seeing who God really is yes. and knowing that actually he wasn't angry but he was welcoming us. Yes. You know, when you look at the prophets of the Old Testament the constant message is return to me, return to me, return to me yes. you know, it's, it was a message from Adam left leaving the garden until Jesus on the cross you know, <laughs> still yes. the message return yes. to me uh, but, but what Jesus did was, was take sin and the yeah. power of sin and took yeah. it to the cross and destroyed it through the cross. Yes. You know, yes. Romans tells us, Colossians tells us that he took that which was against us yeah. and destroyed it on the cross. Yes. You know, so so it's not that he suffered in my place, but what he did was he carried the weight of sin yes. to the cross. The only way to destroy it was to was to kill it. Yeah. So he takes sin to the cross, he takes death to the cross and yeah. kills death and kills the power of sin yeah. to release us from it. Yeah. Whatever you want to call sin, you know, yeah. that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. <laughs> you said something interesting, you said yeah. that if there was, if Jesus and the Father were separated, the universe would collapse or explode or something. What, what yeah, it would collapse. Yeah. What did you mean? Yeah,
1: because if you think about it, well, how, was, how, was, how did creation come into being, you know, Paul tells about God created everything in Christ, and in Christ everything holds together, you know. So it's basically this relationship between the Father and the Son, where in the Spirit, you know, when we read things like John 17, and, and so on. So basically, um, and, and he made everything in the Word, through the Word, by the Word, knowing John talks about that, and um, basically how the light of the world is the life that enlightens every man born into the world, and, and all these kind of things. So when we look at that, it's basically it's the creation was being made because the Father wanted to have children, and we are chosen in the Beloved, in Jesus, in or in Christ. We have been chosen before the foundation of the world. So creation only came into being because God wanted a family. So it's the family relationship that actually is the basis of all of creation, you know, wow. before, I mean, if you want to be a Trinitarian about it, it's like the father, the son, the spirit, they, they sat together. As I always say on the corner of nowhere before anything was, you know, <laughs> probably had a whiskey and a cigar um, like we would do. And, and, and we're talking about how, um, how, how they could increase this awesome thing they got going on, you know? And um, wow. so that means, Basically, creation was not made out of a need in God. It wasn't like God was sitting somewhere alone and he had this need of, I'm alone, I need more people. It, it was an overflow. That, that That's why the Trinity came about. The whole doctrine of the Trinity was about, no, God was not alone and God was not lonely and God didn't have a need. It was out of an overflow of love. Yeah. And and um,
0: That's interesting, and, isn't it? The, yeah. the, I, I like that the overflow of love creates family. Yeah. Yes. It's or like... Connections a... Or communities or... That's really good, Florian. I like that. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I always liked it because it takes away the whole thing that religion does on you. It basically saying, are you feeling awful? You know, because people generally, because we grow up with this often mindset, they're... Life can, of have...
0: life can be difficult and cause problems. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then religion comes and says yeah, you're right. You're actually awful. But here I give you Jesus. He jumped through his hoops and then you can kind of connect to a God that's actually angry with you. And that's where religion gets us, you know, and, but just maybe be sure that you're not alone with him in the room when Jesus needs to leave us, you know, I mean, I mean, it's a character. It's a character now that I'm fully aware of that, but that's actually the underlying thought. And, and, and then, and then we come and say, um, and obviously, this God demands stuff from you now, you know, because you can be grateful, you know, that he actually even lets you come in. And there's this whole thing, God needs something from us. He created us for a need because he needed servants, you know, as you always say, God doesn't need other servants, he has enough of them, they're called angels, you know, and, <laughs> and, um, but this whole idea about God needing anything from us. I mean, even Jesus said never said, I'm doing this for God, I'm doing that for God. He always said, My Father is working through me and with me. And it's far more relational. And that's, I think, when we come back to this relational view, you know, that everything's about relationship, the tree of life, everything's about life, you know, and life can be messy, relationships can be messy, but in that is there, that that's where love is. And that's where life and love flow. Hmm. When we come back to that, then, then that's exactly when the cross takes on another meaning. When even doctrines here yeah, like wrath and judgment, they take on another meaning. And, yeah. and, 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 and that's where I think it's like, if you have God just as this uh, as, a, as a judge, you know, and, and, and Jesus rarely uses that. that um, he uses the unrighteous judge, but it's like to subvert it again.
0: But it's the interesting thing, isn't it? The only, the only, I was thinking recently the thing how Jesus never criticized and I thought, yes, he did actually. Jesus did <laughs> criticize, but he only criticized religious people. Yeah. He never criticized what religious people called sinners. He never yeah. criticized them. Yeah. Never condemned them. Never told them how awful they were. Yeah. But he told the religious people how awful they were.
1: And that's why, that's why actually where the conflict was between him and John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist was expecting that the Romans would be destroyed and all this kind of stuff. And then when Jesus didn't do that, he said, so are you the one that's coming? What's going on? Because you're not doing that. And what did Jesus say as a proof? The blind get healed, the lame walk. He said, no, the compassion and the love of God that I'm showing, that's the proof I'm the one. Not what you're expecting.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, and, and it and that,
0: continues to confound us, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, <laughs> and then, to come back to your question, that's where it had brought me back to Jesus. You know, I love Jesus more than ever, and um, because now I'm coming back to who he actually is. When I wow. first read the Gospels, yeah. when when he introduced himself to me, and, and I got to know him as my brother. And, yeah.
0: um, wow. And that's, I think that yeah. I think that's in, that's that's interesting because, as I said, a lot of times the accusation that against people who talk about father's love is that you've abandoned Jesus, you've forgotten about Jesus, but c- quite clearly you haven't. <laughs> no. You're, I, I mean, I listened to you t- speaking there, and, and you're speaking about Jesus with passion. Mm. Um, that doesn't sound like someone who's abandoned Jesus to me.
1: <laughs> no, no.
0: Uh, I mean, t-
1: to be honest, I probably talk more to the Father, to, to Father, more to him like that as my own. Someone who's opposite me yeah. with Jesus, I talk more like someone who's next to me, and with the Holy Spirit, I probably talk a lot to like, yeah, like me. where are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's. A, I think that's why some the Holy Spirit sometimes gets a bit forgotten because living inside, you know.
0: Yeah. And, um, yeah. It's good for him. She.
1: Am I allowed to say she?
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> Feminine language in the Old Testament. Yeah. <laughs> New Testament is a mixture of feminine and masculine. Yeah, yeah. So you it's, know,
1: yeah. I but, experience I experience Holy Spirit very often as feminine. Mm. Strangely enough, I don't,
0: I don't know why that is. Well, but... I think because I think when you when you you look at the scriptures, the Spirit is actually quite gentle. Yeah, you know, and that's where the sensitivity is found, so, which mm. I think are very feminine qualities. So there's mm. something about the, the spirit of God. Where he, she, it, uh, whatever yeah. people prefer. Uh, yeah. But where the spirit brings sensitivity, you know, if yeah. if the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, you know, those are a lot of those are feminine type qualities. Yes. That men can demonstrate as well as women. It's I don't mean it's women qualities, but and so it would be natural to experience the spirit in... Uh, some feminine ways, yeah, <laughs> you know, because yeah. we speak about the Holy Spirit softening our hearts, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah, tenderizing our hearts, making us more sensitive, which yeah. are feminine like qualities.
1: Yeah, and the yeah. comfort,
0: comforter, and yeah, things.
1: Uh-huh. yeah. Yes.
0: I mean, there, there's there are Christian
1: traditions who are very strong about that in the East as well, like the Celtic tradition and so on, who describe very strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, Described spirit very often in feminine terms. Yeah. Um, so it's not, it's not heretical or anything. But,
0: no, I but, but that's the thing, isn't it? We, we, yeah. We've, we, we've, be, we've work, been working a system for so long that when yeah. anything outside of the system um, comes along, we see it as a challenge. Yes. It's not even that we see it as, as an opportunity for discussion. We see it as a challenge that we must attack and beat yeah. down and push away because it threatens. We, 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 you know, we're defending the faith, but we're not. We're defending our um, self righteousness. We're defending yeah. our beliefs that we mm-hmm. are convinced are the correct beliefs. Um, yeah. And it seems a lot that we're not open to any variety. We're not open to any chance that we we could have it wrong or that yeah we're right but actually yeah. when you think about it so are they we're
1: yeah. not
0: we're not open to that kind of thing you know and no. um, and i think that it comes as an it comes across as insecure yeah uncertain you know if we really have that connection with the divine being yeah. we wouldn't need to hold so tightly to some things because it's like yeah yeah he'll take care of that
1: yeah
0: that's what you believe you know i used to believe that too you know yeah but it's but it's yeah. it's so inflexible it. at times